Hi, this is Stage Appropriate with Juno, age 10. And Katie, old enough to know better. Uh, okay, we're a mother and daughter who love musical theatre and we want to share that love with anyone who will listen. In each episode, we'll discuss a musical that we've seen on stage or screen, or sometimes both, explain the plot, talk about the best bits and maybe mock it, but in a really nice way. Yeah, just a little Just a little bit. Just two warnings. Two. Yes. Let's go. So number one is... Dun, dun, dun. There will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the show we're talking about and you don't want to know what happens, please do not listen to this because I'm telling you, there are spoilers. What's our second warning? That we do have two cats. Oh, so if, no. you, if you hear any hissing, spitting, meowing or growling or maybe purring, going... Or maybe like singing about being jellical cats. No. Okay, no. It's just them. Right, Juno, is that it for the warnings? Yes. Are we ready to proceed with the podcast? Yes. So, Juno, what is today's musical? The Bodyguard. Not actually one of the songs nope. from The Bodyguard. Uh, so we saw this show this week. Yes. Although by the time this is on Spotify, it'll probably be a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we saw this on its current UK tour. We did. Uh, at the lovely Alhambra Theatre in Bradford. Shout out to the Alhambra. Yeah. Woo! I would also like to give a shout out to my friend Flo from school who watched the film of The Bodyguard and that made you think that it was appropriate. That made me think, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> If another, not even 10-year-old yet, at the time of recording, has seen this, then it must be, a, surely, this is entirely stage-appropriate. As Juno will tell you in her flood synopsis. It's not stage-appropriate for the reason that we'd Different reasons, say. yeah. So do you want to go ahead and <laughs> sum up the plot? I have been told off by Juno for interrupting her during the yeah. plot synopsis. So I'm just going to stay quiet. Unless I ask you to say Unless something. she will ask me for contributions. And just to be clear, the plot of the film and the musical are slightly different. So Juno's going to sum up the musical. Not the film. Because she's not watched it. And then we'll talk about the differences after she has done that with no contributions from me unless she needs them. Are you ready, Juno? I am. Well, so that I think she's meant to be like a really famous pop star. And she's called Rachel Maron. And, Maron. And she's like really famous. And then you see, like, a projection, the back of somebody's head, and it's like a letter, and it's like a riddle. You have everything, I have nothing, I have it, no, I am, I everything. am everything, and you are nothing. It's really creepy. So this guy, he's like a super fan who's kind of got weird about her and now wants to kill her. He's a stalker. Yeah. His character name is The Stalker. The stalker. Yes. <laughs> it's very He's really scary for me. Okay. It's just so creepy. So she's like, I'm fine. I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to go for Sunday brunch with my friends and stuff. And then her manager, I don't know, like hires this bodyguard. And she's like, I don't need a bodyguard. So that's the end of the show. No, it's not. (laughs) It's 10 minutes long. So she gets the bodyguard. and Frank. Yeah. And he kind of like talks to her son, Fletcher. He's quite cool. And then um, Rachel, she has this sister called Nikki, and she's really good at singing. She, like, helps write the songs, I think. But 
I think she's a bit kind of jealous because she like sings at this bar or something. Yeah. She's really nice to her. Like she doesn't do anything in the musical that's mean. Um, that we've just found out that in the film she does hire someone to kill her. She doesn't do anything mean. She just like encourages her and like helps and stuff. The bodyguard and Rachel. I keep calling them the bodyguard, not Frank. <laughs> they like fall in love. They or have something. a bit of a thing, don't they? And Very briefly. They she like goes out to perform at something. And is Nikki, like, babysitting Fletcher? Yeah, so they, when she goes to Florida. She goes to Florida? Miami. Yeah, that's, I think she said she was going to Miami, didn't she? I'm so confused. Anyway, so I don't know how you noticed this. Well, I don't know how I didn't, because it's kind of quite obvious that it's going to be him. But this guy, he's the, he's, like, drugged one of the security guards, and he's got into the house. And he's pretending to be the security guard, yeah. isn't he? And guess who it is, guys? It's, it's the, the stalker. Twist! And he's like, girl. And he's creepy. And, yeah, he's creepy really stuff. creepy. He's got this bag. And so Fletcher, he comes down. Don't know where Nikki is. and She's just feeling sad. She's just sitting on a chair and feeling sad because Frank doesn't love her. I think, I think actually that is what she was doing. Oh. Wasn't she singing one of the sad songs? Oh, yeah. He's like, where's your mum's room? <laughs> so, yeah, but he was so really good. like... Where's your mum's room? Like he's just his voice. Creepy and then Fletcher, I thought he'd been taught about this stuff at school. Though he does say why. And he's got like a security pass for the Oscars, which happens later. The guy's just like, I the want to give her a present. Like, I want to give her a present. It's in this bag. And then this Fletcher's suggest, this like suspicious looking sack. Yeah. <laughs> like Fletcher might think he's Santa Claus or something. Yeah, that's true. It's a good shout. Undercover. Yeah. <laughs> Fletcher's like, can I see? And then he like grabs the sack and he's like, no. It's a surprise. Yeah, he's pretty <laughs> obviously not some nice security yeah. guard guy. And no, I think it's like he's used to seeing security guards and then yeah, normally I he doesn't think nice. anything of it. So he's like, it's this way. It's upstairs. Follow me. Tra la 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 la. Yeah. And then, really creepy, I keep looking out of the door because I'm scared. We're fine here. Yeah, but we're fine. So this guy... He's already stolen a costume, hasn't he? That's he's stolen, right like, one start. of her dresses or something. Yeah. And then I would have forgotten about that. And then he's tuck, he tucks it into Fletcher's bed. You see him, like, tucking Fletcher into a bed, which is like, what are you doing, weirdo? Yeah, that is and quite weird. he doesn't really want anything with him. He just wants to kill his mom. Use him to get to Rachel. So then Nikki, she's like, she goes into the bedroom and she's like, Fletcher. And then she takes the cover off. And then there's like a pillow and she's like, uh oh. So she moves the pillow. There's the dress and this guy's knife. And then she like, ah! So it turns out that Fletcher was actually just in Nikki's bed. But like, that was just him saying, Haha, look what I can yeah. do. I can mess with you. And then everyone freaks out, and that's when they go to the cabin. Yeah, they go to this cabin in the woods. Which is always a good idea. Always an amazing idea. If you've never seen a horror film. Yeah. Sounds great. So the bodyguard goes, Fletcher goes, Nikki goes, and obviously Rachel goes. And they just kind of hide there. Sing songs about Jesus. They sing this song. Um, oh, before they've gone to his karaoke bar, and... Frank, he's really bad at singing. What song does he and sing? And I will always love you. Is how he sings it. Yeah, he just like he's a robot. It's weird. But anyway, so they're at the cabin, and this guy, like, so the bodyguard, Frank. Frank. Yeah, he finds out something. This stalker guy. He was in the military, so he is 
that's just threatening because he's like got training yeah. with guns and tracking people. But we don't know where he is, but we'll find him. That's what the guy yeah. who's on the phone to says. Don't know where like, he is, but we'll find him. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen now. And then Rachel and Fletcher have gone like. Are you okay talking about this bit, Juno? Are you going to be all right? Just I'm going to get you to explain a bit because I didn't see. Nikki, is she like drunk or something? Yeah. Yeah. And so she's drunk and she tells the bodyguard. Um, that it's her fault that they're getting chased by this guy because she, like, replied to one of his letters. We don't know what she said. She replied and she thought she might have, like, encouraged him. She didn't say, oh, yeah, come over for coffee sometime. But, like, um, I think she just replied and she was like, hi, it's nice to know that you're such a fan. Because she just wanted to feel like Rachel for once. So she, like, replied to this. and And she thinks that it's her fault. But... It's not. The guy's just really creepy. So um, what happens is, so it's like the door and it's been dark and then it just goes bang and lights up and then this guy's standing there and his knife's there and you're like, yep, this was going to happen. By this point, I like was like, ah, and then I like hid in my coat, um, which is probably good. And I thought he was just going to like shoot her. But what did he do? She said something. Ab- uh, this is what I know. So he came in. He asked something about Rachel and she like answered and she was like, oh, blah, 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 because she was drunk. And then she kind of realized it was this guy. And, and then was he like, stopped her. Uh-oh, no. And then they like chased each other around for a bit. Well, she didn't chase him, and then obviously. He stopped her. Because, no, <laughs> because he was trying to like grab her. And then she was like, no, and was like running away. And then the guy, you can say it now. Stabbed her. Yeah. And then she was dead. And then Frank runs off, like the guy, the stalker guy then runs away. I don't know why he stabs Nikki. It was a bit random. Mm. And then he runs off and then Frank runs after him and you hear pow, pow, gunshots. But Frank doesn't kill him because he's rubbish at being a bodyguard. Yeah. And then the next <laughs> thing is, they're like, Nikki's dead. And then it's the Oscars, which is what it's all been building up to all along. And Rachel's backstage and then she comes on and she's going to sing her song. And then what happens? So she goes on stage and she gets to almost the end of the song. I do not know when this guy appeared because I was just watching her. Yeah. And you're also still quite scared. Who wouldn't be? And I was just like looking around the stage. I was like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? (sighs) Because I knew it was obvious he was going to turn up. Yeah. And then he was in the audience. He was like down in the aisle, wasn't he? Which was really creepy, but nowhere near us. Yeah, it was like the other side. He was just stood there and he had his gun and you could like see the laser. There was a bit earlier where he like did it over the audience. Yeah, that was really and there creepy. there was like a picture of um, Rachel behind and he pointed it at that and then it went like... Yeah, it was really weird. And it exploded. And then, um, well, it didn't actually explode. It was just projection. Yeah. But anyway... The theatre did not explode. Just no. <laughs> that would be a very different so, podcast episode. this guy was in the audience and he's like... Oh, oh, oh. And then the bodyguard, don't know why he didn't realise, a little bit sooner... His name is still Frank. He, like, goes, no, and he, like, jumps in front, pushes Rachel over, is like, ah, and then um, this guy shoots him, like, three times, which is very unnecessary. Well, he just wants to make sure he's really dead. And he doesn't die, so that was just, like, a failed attempt. Wait, the stalker dies? You can't just let me say this stuff. But whilst that's happening, Frank, like, pow, and shoots this stalker guy whose name we still don't know. Probably John. But then Frank... Well done. ...has got, like, a cast on, big part of the story. Very important. And he's like, oh, I didn't explain the thing about Sunday brunch. And he's like, 
you can't go on Sunday. Go on Tuesday. This is my. This was and ages then, ago. Yeah, I know. But and she's like Tuesday brunch. No one goes for brunch. It's a very strange. But moment. why can't she go on Sunday? She can go on Tuesday. It, I don't. Maybe her friends work on a Tuesday. Anyway, so at the end of it. Frank's got this thing on his arm, yeah. and then he's they're going their separate ways, basically. He's yeah. going off to be a rubbish bodyguard for someone else. And then they do this else. weird projection There's thing. a very weird projection. She sings I Will Always Love You. It's the end. Everyone comes back on, sings I Want to Dance with Somebody, and you get to sing along. So that's and the then, plot synopsis. No, wait. And then Guy, the stalker, does like this big knee skid across the stage, and then goes, I want to dance with somebody. And it's really weird. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. I think, because we, I think we want to talk about that whole thing and the scariness of it. So if you've, if you're familiar with the film of The Bodyguard, you will have noticed there's a few differences there. I'm quite, I'm sure I've seen The Bodyguard, but it came out when I was nine. So I obviously didn't see it then because my parents were quite strict. <laughs> they were not like me, do you know? I would not have been allowed to go and see this musical when I was 10. So I'm sure I've seen it at some point, but, I don't massively remember it. In the film, there's some random bit where Nikki's actually hired a hitman to kill Rachel. And so throughout the whole of it, you've got the hitman, the hitman, but also the stalker. Nikki yeah, the hitman and the stalker are two separate characters. And the stalker gets arrested apparently without really having done. I don't even know. It was really, there's something on a speedboat, but I guess that would be quite hard to do on What's stage. On like Fletcher's on a speedboat and then it blows up or something. I don't know. Anyway, it all sounds a bit weird. Does Fletcher like die? No, he's fine. So let's talk about this. So obviously, stage appropriate. The whole premise of this is me accidentally taking Juno to see stuff that is wildly inappropriate. And it seems fine. It seems fine. And then someone takes their trousers off and you're like, oh, not again. Dang it. And so that is obviously what I was concerned about with the bodyguard. If anything, I was thinking. Didn't happen. He was wearing trousers that were too I formal. Know, just everyone get their trousers on. He was in like a weird sweatshirt when they were in the cabin. Yeah, he looked a bit like grandfatherish, didn't he? That was quite weird. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, obviously, that's what I was concerned about. They they kissed, and that was it, really. And I was like, oh, we are home free. This is like the Lion King or something. <laughs> but then the point where the, like, when they were in the cabin... Or when they were in the oh, house. Actually, right. The very, very first thing that happened. So everyone in the audience, before the show starts, <gasps> oh, just happily so chatting scary. away. And then before the lights even went down... Bang! Bang! There was a sound of the gunshot. Everyone went, bang! It was really it scary. It was like... A flash forward. It was, yeah. It was very strange though, wasn't it? It wasn't really explained. It was like so a right... split second of her being on the floor and she was like, ah. And it was when the guy was shooting him. At the Oscars. At the Oscars, yeah. And then it just disappeared. And then um, you, this was where you were like, oh. Because there was like big fiery things and bah! Yeah, It was so really it, loud. It started with sure. obviously what's meant to be like a live performance of Rachel singing Queen of the Night. I got the stuff you want which is just obviously every song in this apart from the one about jesus is an absolute banger there were like flames and flashing lights and stuff and juno was getting a bit traumatized by it and i was sitting there thinking mate i get that this is quite bright and the flames are a bit scary, <laughs> but this is just exactly like a little mix concert it was, so was just like, come on get with it juno it you're the, gonna be okay after the bang yeah, and i was still, still a bit shocked a bit stressed. and it was but then, and then the rest of the first half was absolutely fine and it, the yeah. weird thing was with the stalker it was like he was being played as a sort of Almost like a comedy character, even when he had the gun. You knew he just and it was shooting, and it was like he was aiming it round the audience, and then he shot. He like pretended to shoot it at the poster. Of Rachel said, "People were laughing, weren't they?" Like it was almost like he was an overly sort of campy, yeah. silly villain. He didn't seem overly threatening. And then in the first half, there's a bit where she's performing in a club, and he manages to get on stage. And he just sort of stands there in a hoodie. Like, he doesn't do anything. Like, oh. And even every time he got the knife out, people were like, Ugh. 
I don't know if that was just nervous laughter, but it was quite weird. And then in the second half, suddenly, it was like it became a whole other thing. And it was genuinely meant to be really frightening. Yeah. Um, can I say something that's, I think, quite interesting? You know, you can say whatever you like. It's kind of like he kept appearing, but you're like, ah, when he just keeps appearing, like, over and over again. When they're going to the Oscars, she's like, I'm not not doing the Oscars. And then he appears again. She keeps going to these things, and you're like, he's going to be there. He's going to try and kill her. Just, like, take a and break then, until he's caught, Rachel. when he kind of keeps appearing, it's almost, like, satisfying. You, you know, you are sick in the head. I'm not. But, you know, like, when you're like, what are they doing? They kind of just get keep appearing. It's just kind of because it's, like, action, and you kind of want there to be action. Oh, I just, said, yeah, there's yeah. this sort of satisfying thing to, like, you know something is going to happen, and then it happens. Yeah. And you you go, oh, I was right, and that's like, quite a good thing. Anyway, to get to get to this bit at the cabin, so Juno was fine. This, everything had been okay since the start. <laughs> and then well, he appeared at the door. I was a bit scared by the thing in the house when he got oh, in. Oh, yeah, was that like, was so creepy. No, you can't and then look it was a real, It was a real, like, if you've ever seen a horror film, which for our younger listeners, I hope that you haven't, but that jump scare thing, because literally... Rachel was just, sorry, Nikki was just in the kitchen drinking and then suddenly there was like a doom and the light at the door went on and he was there and he had like a balaclava or something in his face and the knife at his side and it was like something that's happened in every slasher movie ever. Juno was absolutely petrified. That was the moment when I thought, everyone around me is judging me now. Social services on speed dial. It was traumatic. It must be really hard for him to like know where to stand because there were bits where he like had the knife and... He put it in such a position where you saw the like the light, light shine off it. That was so really clever, like... wasn't it? Yeah, that was good. Like, he must be very good at stage direction, <laughs> Easter. So Juno was really scared, and I was, I was like, thinking, ah, and I hid in my coat. "Oh my goodness, this is the thing. She's going to have nightmares. I'm She's going to need counselling." Because yeah, I, I cuddled. He was just going to shoot her. I I cuddled her to me, and then as he was wrestling with Nikki and stabbing her, I was like, "Just stay there, child. It's fine. <laughs> Eat a smarty." It's all good. <laughs> Have some sugar. And then what was what <laughs> was weird sugar. about it was, so you've got this guy who's really, really creepy and he's so really creepy. sinister. And then at the end, when they come on and say, <laughs> oh, I want to dance with somebody. Big as Juno says, he comes on the stage to do a bow. Everybody boos, but he's got a big grin on his face because if you're the villain and people are booing you at the end, you've done your job properly. And then he does this knee slide like a seven-year-old boy at a wedding reception <laughs> across the stage. And then he, he sang a bit of the second verse and everyone's like dancing. And it was really, it was like, this guy's just been scaring everybody for the last hour and a half. And now he's doing karaoke. It, it was really weird. It me from being that scared. Because then he like gave her a hug who yeah. was playing Rachel. Oh, she was like a pussycat doll. Yeah, let, yeah but the, the thing that was good about it was that if you saw that in this, as a film, I think as we talked about on the way home, if you watch that film, I, d- I don't know if the film is as creepy because I can't remember, but then you've got to go to bed in your house and you look around every corner and you're like, oh my God. Whereas when you see it in a theatre, at the end he comes on and does his bow and you're like, oh, it was just an actor and it doesn't get in your head as much. According to Flo, it's not actually that scary. Flo it? might just be super tough. So the bit I want to talk about, they're in like this karaoke bar that he's taken her to and he's like, I forgot it was karaoke night. And then there's these like girls who are singing a song, and it's really funny because they're really bad. Yeah, is it where the broken hearts go? Yeah, and then there's this one at the end that goes like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, really funny. funny. So we've talked, we've then talked she about sings the relative inappropriateness of it. Yeah, she's when she sings the karaoke, that's quite funny. I wouldn't do that for her because one of them takes a picture, posts it on social media, and the guy sees it. Yeah, and obviously that's something that's not in the film because we didn't have mobile phones and social media in 1992. 
Uh, so that's something that they have updated. But that didn't, like, have a big impact, did it? He just, like, was like, I really like her scarf or something. Yeah, but it was just creepy, wasn't it? And I think that's it made them all just think we, we need to be more careful. But, right, can we let's talk about the main issue here, which is that Frank is a terrible bodyguard. He's literally... He's the worst person at his job I've ever witnessed in my life. And she was like, why are you here if you're such a good bodyguard? And he was like, I was um, a bodyguard for... Some senator. A senator. But then he got shot and she must be thinking, oh, dang it. Literally. So <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I was working for the senator. But then I had to come home and uh, then he got shot. You're like, right, so... The guy who you're literally, your whole job, you've got one job, which is stopping him from getting hurt, and he got shot because you just weren't watching. So how <laughs> this guy keeps getting a job, I do not understand. He's meant when to be he, like the best in the business like, Well, I'm just really concerned about the bodyguarding industry then, if he's the best they've got. Like, when, even when he takes her to the karaoke bar, he's like, well, I just thought it would be fine. And then when he goes off to Florida with her and they leave the little boy and Aunt Nikki in the house, with the guy who turns up but to the store. But you can't like, just, like, there leave need, Rachel. There needs to be a better vetting system here, clearly. Also, how, like, right, a Fletcher... He's not a vet, he's a bodyguard. Fletcher, the little boy, gets given a, a security pass for the hospital. Oh, which I forgot is to mention to that the guy steals cute. it. And obviously the stalker guy steals it. But I'm not being funny... I'm pretty sure the picture on it would have been of a 10-year-old boy. He's turning up at the Oscars and he's like, oh, it's just a really old picture. I just think, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure they'd have better security at the Oscars and you wouldn't be able to turn up with a sniper rifle. I just feel sure that people are getting searched on the way in. I know this is, you know, we're talking about a country where guns are more readily accessible than they are here, but still, I don't think you're turning up at the Oscars and being like, oh, hi, Kate Winslet. No, don't worry. It's just a sniper rifle. Like, what? There was a really creepy bit when it was when they were in the house and there was, like, dramatic music and Fletcher was like, can I see your gun? And then he was like... Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Here you it is. You can see my gun. So he was literally... There were so many times he did stuff and he was just messing with them. Yeah, it was it really weird. It started off with just letters and you could only see it on a projection. And then... Didn't see his face. You just saw him with, like, a big hood up. And then you got to seeing him, like, properly. And it was like he was becoming, like, more of a real threat. Yeah. Like, when it went from projection to person. Oh, Juno, that's very smart analysis. Because you could just see, like, the back of his head. And he was, like, reading out the letter. It was so creepy. Like, what does it mean, I am everything, you're nothing? Not sure it really means anything. He just wants to sound threatening. While we're still talking about Frank being rubbish at his job, I did <laughs> compile a little list. Oh, right. Uh, the thing that Juno wants me to say is the line that I said on the way home, which is that Frank is so bad at his job, he is like the postman Pat of personal security. <laughs> if you've ever seen postman Pat, you he's will know. He's like, he's oh, let's play with this train post- set. He's literally Oops, the worst postman. It. He's like, oh, I'm just going to take the helicopter out. Why does a postman need a helicopter? <laughs> it's just that's down not, the road. It's not a thing. And then he goes to the sorting office and that Ben guy's like, oh, oh, Pat, look, I nearly called him Frank. <laughs> postman Frank, postman. <laughs> and come and, come and play with this new train set for number seven. And then they break it. And then he has to go to the bin and be like, oh, yeah, I did have your parcel, but I trashed it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm back in my helicopter. Sauce. And it's just the most random thing. And that is what that was what I was thinking of. 
when I considered Frank and his um, job performance because he's just absolutely useless. The only good thing about Postman Pat is the cat. Yeah, that's true. And then it got me thinking about other people in musicals who were a bit rubbish at their job. And uh, I wanted to make a feature of this, but I don't think there's enough. So, do you know? tell me what you think of some of these guys who I think are rubbish at their jobs as well. Javert. Oh, yeah. He, like, doesn't he, like, he's in Lamers. He's the police officer. Do you know his favourite musical? Doesn't, no. Doesn't he, like, let Jean Valjean get away after spending, like, his whole life? Well, yeah, but apart from that, he literally spends his whole life trying to catch him. And it's like, he's right there. He's the world's strongest man. It's quite easy to check. Anyway, also, someone else who's rubbish at their job, you'll like this one. Charles Lee. Oh, yeah. Because he was just, like, afraid of everybody. Scared of going to war. In Hamilton, this is. Charles Lee gets promoted to general. Hamilton's salty about it because he thinks it should have been him. And then Charles the Bear. Charles the Bear. (laughs) Charles Lee. Well, this is why I've got confused because quite memorably we're told that he poos the bed at the Battle of Monmouth. So yeah, he's rubbish at his job. Someone else who's rubbish at their job. You ready for this? Zazu. Literally meant to be looking after Simba and Nala. Off they go to an (laughs) elephant graveyard. Oh, look, Mufasa's dead. And now Simba's got to run away. Like, come on, Zazu. Get that you're not really meant to be a babysitter. Oh my God, I've just had a great idea. Let's swap. Zazu guards Rachel Maron. Frank Farmer has to look after Simba. Have a mashup. No, <laughs> Dewey Finn obviously oh, yeah. rubbish at his job, he, but that is because really he's at his fundamentally job. unqualified to do his job. He's actually not qualified, though, and everyone else. Well, not as uh, <laughs> someone else who you've seen in a show as a character, but might not remember is Mama Morton. Remember Mama Morton from Chicago, who runs the prison, but ah. literally is just there to take bribes and get people in the front page of the newspapers. And someone who you haven't seen yet, but will when we see this show later on this year again at the Alhambra is Miss Hannigan. Who runs oh, the, the children's home in Annie and is horrible to all the children. So there is, Frank Farmer comes from a long and established tradition of people in musicals who are rubbish at their jobs. Well, he's it's probably the worst. Then I was thinking, because people... no one dies in the other one. Yeah, that's well, true. Javert does. Everyone dies. But he's the one. I was thinking about people who are really good at their jobs in musicals, and then I kind of got distracted. Beverly Bass. But I was thinking Beverly Bass, Faye Treadwell in The okay. Drifter's Girl. The, well, she's the manager, isn't she? Oh, yeah. And she achieves great success with them even if it is a bit of a weird show. So, yeah. So, you know, people's uh, career performance... Well, anyone else? Is, no, that's all I came up with. Okay. Sorry. That's well, it for now. Who else has jobs? The Newsies are quite good at it. The Newsies are pretty good at their jobs, yeah. Mr. Pulitzer is just mean at his job. Mean at his job? Well, yeah. He's, I suppose you have to be mean to be like a capitalist overlord like he is. Anyway, we're getting carried away now. I'm talking about completely yeah. other ones. Right, obviously, the most important thing you have to talk about in thinking about the bodyguard, I can't believe, I don't think we've even mentioned the name of the mighty Whitney Houston yet, but the whole point of it is, it's Whitney Houston songs. Well, not all of them. Which ones are? Well, it's all songs that she performed. So yeah. most, some of them weren't originally written for her. So obviously, I Will Always Love You is a Dolly Parton song. Nice. Greatest Love of All is a George Benson song. Oh, I, I remember like this. One. Yeah, from my childhood. So I feel, even though I don't. I know a bit of the song, can I sing? <laughs> I'm now not convinced I have actually watched The Bodyguard just because oh. the plot synopsis made no sense to me. But I just maybe I just can't remember anything from before I was like 16. I'm not really sure. Anyway, but what I do remember, just to undermine that comment completely, is when I was, so Juno is 10, when I was 10, I know for a fact I was absolutely obsessed with, I think it was maybe the second Whitney Houston album. My parents had it on vinyl and back in the day, somehow we recorded it onto a cassette through like magic and witchcraft. And I was absolutely obsessed. So I was, you know, 10 years old and sat in my room like, all at once, I'm drifting on alone. And my parents must have thought, mate, literally nothing's ever happened to you. <laughs> you are in year five. <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny. 
But so just to run through some of the songs, obviously some of them are from the film of The Bodyguard and some of them might be, but I can't remember. So Queen of the Night is the first song in the show. That was a banger. And then she sings How Will I Know. She's in her house and she's doing it like a rehearsal with all her dancers. And that was cute. She sings The Greatest Love of All in the show and that's she's singing it about her son. And that's really sweet. The whole I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Beautiful sentiment. The other one, her sister, sings Saving All My Love For You, another song that I was obsessed with at the age of 10. Yeah, she <laughs> sings no a bit of it what that song um, was about. at the bar. And then after Frank, because I know his name, leaves, she sings the rest of it. Um, one of the bits that I thought was really lovely was when Rachel and Nikki sang Run To You. And they, they weren't really singing it, was it kind of together like together because they were on separate. Yeah, it was a bit like Listen, wasn't it? From Dreamgirls, that's true. Um, and that was really, really lovely. She, in the second half, she sings All the Man That I Need, obviously about Frank. Got a bit of I Am Every Woman, which was very exciting. That's an absolute tune. She sings One Moment in Time. I want to dance. At the Sorry, Oscars, doesn't she? At the sing Oscars, one she sings One Moment in Time. How does it go? Like- uh, each day I live, I want to be. I'm not going to sing the whole song. Give like, me one moment in time. Oh, it's such a tune. I love that song. It's so, the thing is, those songs are so cheesy, especially I Want to Dance with Somebody, but I just I absolutely flipping love that song. And it is because it's quite a downbeat ending to the show. And then they all come back on in sparkly dresses and they're like, don't you want to dance? Say you want to dance? And you're like, I don't know. Because a minute ago, I felt like I wanted to cry. And, and I was really scared. Do I? I could do and really now, sad dancing. And now I'm meant to be dancing. So this is an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Juno is doing dancing as if she is fighting off a stalker. It's a little bit worrying. <laughs> I'm practicing. We talk, we if I get to be in the show. Juno mentioned earlier. How are you going to be in the show? You're scared of it. The stalker guy come <laughs> on and you'd be like, no, we're all scared. Just stop the show every 10 minutes. No. Um, we saw Melody Thornton in the role yeah. of Rachel, who we believe is a pussycat doll, former pussycat doll. Does one ever truly leave the pussycat dolls? <laughs> I don't think Juno knows what a pussycat doll is. It's a pussycat doll for life. What? It's about? Oh, you do know. Yeah. Okay. She was a little pocket rocket. She's absolutely she was really tiny. small. So like Cassidy. She was so little. But um, like, oh. amazing. Yeah, she was really great. I, previous people who have played that part, people who have played that part previously, they're not previous people, <laughs> we're still around. Um, so I, would, I feel like I would have really loved to see in that role are Beverly Knight. Beverly, the legend. I keep hitting my heart while we're doing this. I don't know why. Where is my heart? Is it there? Producer is it Matt is going to be like, stop patting your body. I have to edit this out. We are hopefully, fingers crossed, going to see Beverly hopefully Knight. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, fingers crossed, in a couple of months' time in uh, Sylvia, which is very exciting. I don't think that's how it's going to go. And also, Alexandra Burke, who has played uh, Rachel Marin as someone else who I love and would love to see in a show, but I've never quite managed it. So next time she does something, we need to go and watch it. Um, but it is, it is a part for someone who has got a massive, great, big voice. Yeah. That's all that's really needed. I think it's quite hard you probably didn't feel this because you haven't had quite the same exposure to those songs, but like those songs have been with me. I'm obviously we don't talk about Bruno or how old I am. But I've been listening to I've had those songs in my life for such a long time. It's hard, it's weird to hear them sung. Do you like do you know that way? We see? didn't come to episode. Oh my god. We should watch the one that's on Disney though where it's yeah. the concert. Yeah. We watched that tonight. Or Matilda. 
Oh, well, we'll talk about this later. Anyway, Juno and I went to see the film I Want to Dance with Somebody, which is a biopic of Whitney Houston, which came out a couple of months ago. And I remember being really impressed at the end and going, oh, that is her name Naomi Aki who played her. She was, she sounded exactly like Whitney Houston. That was uncanny. (laughs) And then I realised it was actually Whitney Houston's voice. And she was just doing some really convincing lip syncing. But I suppose that is because you can't, no one can sing like that. And I think when you hear those songs sung by Whitney Houston, she was like a a proper once-in-a-generation talent in terms of singing. Obviously, she didn't write the songs, did she? But Rachel writes her songs, doesn't she? Yes, but she's a fictional character. Yeah, but in the thing. Yeah. Do you know who's presenting this episode while wearing her ski thermals? <laughs> For reasons best known to herself. <laughs> and my I'm toys. Not, I'm not really sure what's going the on. Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to talk about No, we that. don't. Um, so, other things, what else do we want to say about the bodyguard? Ah, oh, I was excited. The merch, some very good merch and a good range of things that oh, you could buy. there was a teddy buy. bear that was dressed like a security There was a teddy guard. bear, which probably would have been more use as a bodyguard than <laughs> Frank. High five. Oh, <laughs> terrible. We sit too far away to high five each other. Too far um, apart. There was Different also rooms. a shot glass, which despite being someone who doesn't drink shots or indeed very much of anything apart from coffee, um, <laughs> I collect shot glasses from musicals and now I have five. So it's very exciting. You've got... Julia Hamilton. Hamilton. The Hamilton Julia. one is the best one because it does say on it. I'm not throwing away my shot. Which is absolute genius. So I've got the Hamilton one, the Juliet one, Come From Away, Book of Mormon, and now the Bodyguard. So it's always exciting. I think the woman selling the merchandise was quite amused when I went, Oh, have you got shot glasses? She obviously was judging me. I was like, No, I just collect them. I'm, I don't actually drink shots. Oh dear. That was a bit awkward. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you're going to go and see it, Make sure that you uh, have got enough money to buy stuff. And, uh, and you've got a coat you can hide in. And stuff. Yeah, and a coat that you can hide. Well, yeah. It or was a blanket. Got, I think, or anything. It, just yeah, anything. In terms of stage appropriateness, I think <laughs> I for the obviously reason. completely caught me off guard because I usually worry that the things that I'm taking Juno to see are sort of like a year 10 PSHE lesson. Actually, this was just scary. scary. And I was, I was concerned that it was going to properly freak you out later on, but... Actually, you're fine, aren't you? You're quite a well-adjusted child. Well, I'm still a bit scared. But... You sleep under a lot of duvets. You're pretty safe. No one would be able to find you anyway. Uh... That's reassuring, isn't it? Mm, no? Sure. Not so much? No. What was your favourite song in it? Is there any of them that particularly stand out? Jesus Loves Me. That's the one that no. Juve's been humming all day. I'm a bit scared. She's had like a religious moment in her life. How will I know? Or when the karaoke people sing the broken heart? Thing. How Will I Know was on that album that I listened to as a 10-year-old as well. Yeah, I was really obsessed with Whitney Houston and ABBA. Just like all normal uh, 9 and 10-year-olds. Very normal. Very very normal indeed, yeah. It's all good. Uh, right, so stage appropriate. <laughs> Maybe not, so there was a little little bit Sorry. of swearing. But as we know, I'm just not really bothered about that. See, Juno didn't even notice. She's so uncorruptible. But yeah, it ha- I think, I don't I don't think of musicals as being scary. So I think just... It hadn't even occurred to me that it would be actually scary, even though I know it's about a stalker. Like, I don't know why I didn't think that would be frightening, but it was fine. You're okay. Yeah. You didn't talk to your therapist about it. Life. I don't even have one. Yeah. So yeah, it's all good, wasn't it? And it was right. It was enjoyable, wasn't it? Apart from you yeah. being scared, it was a good show. It was good fun. I would compare it as previously mentioned. We saw Pretty Woman a couple of weeks ago, and I would compare it to that in terms of appropriate. Not necessarily inappropriateness, but just in that sort of 
being a story that is quite of its time. Like Pretty Woman is a, a weird story in terms of being like, oh, what a magical fairy tale. And The Bodyguard is quite weird as well in that respect. Uh, oh, do you know what the other thing I wanted to mention was the staging. So obviously it's a touring production. The set's not that. So there well, wasn't the cabin is. Yeah, weirdly the set was quite sparse. I don't know if that's just because people who are very very rich in expensive houses tend to have not not have not that much furniture in it them. It was just like curtains that they used to show different. Yeah, things. so there was all this different stuff going on with the curtains to divide it up, and then they had like a kitchen table at one point and an armchair and. But other than that, there wasn't a lot going on in terms of set. And then it was weird because when they went to the cabin, they suddenly wheeled out like a full on, like it was basically they built the whole thing. And you're like, oh, okay, that's where the budget went then. That was really strange. Um, But obviously they had all the lights and the fire cannons, which Juno didn't really care for because she was a bit scared. So, yeah, I thought the stuff with the the stuff with the curtains was very exciting. (laughs) I liked it. It was good. How? Well, it wasn't exciting, was it? It was just clever. It was clever how they did it. I guess, yeah. All right. You're hard to please, aren't you? No. Stressing. Probably glad it wasn't an immersive performance. Cool. Right. Well, I think we're pretty much done talking about the bodyguard then. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Yeah. As always, if you've seen the bodyguard and you would like to tell us what you think, maybe you too were terrified by it. Or ate Smarties during the performance. Why not let us know? You can send us a message on our Instagram, which is stage underscore appropriate. Don't forget the underscore, people. It's very important. That's not part of the address. And you can follow us there for further updates. Freestyling. Future episodes. And the occasional picture of us. We're also on Showscore London for reviews. So you can check us out there too, people. Here's some stuff we've heard at the end of other podcasts. We assume it's normal to add it on the end. Juno loves the credits. Stage Appropriate is presented by (laughs) Juno and me, Katie. With a lot of additional support from Matt. Also known as... Daddy. Because we're only here for the creative bits, darling. Regret. I'm saying that now. Juno is responsible for our theme music. I perform the theme music. She's doing something very strange with her face. Cold face. Last line. We're nearly done. Thank you so much. We need a pitch pipe. Do you mean you and me? See you next time for more stage appropriate. Bye. See See ya. ya.